Welcome to another place in time Where one day you'll be dead or you'll survive Hello everybody and welcome to Dead or Survive. I am your host, Cheryl Riches. And I am your host, Rob Riches. <laughs> And it's backwards day. That's why she started. <laughs> That's why I started. So we have had a very busy weekend. You we, went, we did some yard work. We went golfing. We went and saw the new Jurassic Park. We went for dinner. It was a good weekend. Yes. And I really enjoyed the Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, that surprised me that you actually liked it. You didn't like it? That was good. I just surprised that you liked it. Oh, I love Jeff Goldblum. This is true. <laughs> like, I've loved Jeff Goldblum since he was in Earth Girls Are Easy. But he wasn't really, like, he's not a whole lot in that movie. No, he wasn't. But he was there. I mean, and all of the originals were there. And they revisited some of the old stuff. And then they had this, I won't get into spoilers, but there was this moment that the T-Rex came across this circular fountain, and then it was like it captured. So you're not going to give any spoilers, but you're going to talk about a whole scene. Just that one. It's like a three-second scene. Three seconds. And I was like... I'm not going to tell you nothing about the movie, really nothing, but this one part where Chris Pratt wrestles the octopus, and then the octopus throws him, and he gets caught by a pterodactyl, and the pterodactyl flies him over top of this volcano, and he drops in. I'm not going to tell you about the movie, but then the volcano... Listen, none of that happened. <laughs> no, because I'm not going to spoil it. I'm giving examples of what you're doing. I'm just talking about a three-second scene where I was like, that was pretty friggin' amazing. I loved that part. It didn't give any so of the... So the whole movie... It didn't give you... away the plot line. I can't talk about anything because then I would give it away, right? No, but I'm just saying that the whole movie you enjoyed for that three seconds? No. Now you know why she's married to me. <laughs> It only takes a couple of seconds to make her happy. <laughs> I was giving you all kinds of other reasons I enjoyed the movie. This is true. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I just it didn't, I don't know. I, I was torn between going to see that or going to see Maverick. Yeah. To bring back the 80s nostalgia. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed, and I, I flew planes, right? Like, I did, I should have been into that movie more than I was, is my point. I wasn't that into it the first time around. I wasn't sure how much I was going to be into it this time. Yeah. Well, to each their own, right? Yeah. So, what else? I Come on, this is the part you got to carry. This is the part <laughs> yeah. I always do. I help. I help you carry You think the that beginning. it's so easy. Here I am doing it again. <laughs> That's not true. I was just talking about our week. Oh, I played like my second ever golf game, like ever. Yes. And she said the best part about golfing was driving the golf cart and drinking. It was fun. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I got to drink beers and drive the golf cart. And that was, and I got to swing at a ball that I would hit every 10th swing. I'm just really glad there was nobody behind us. Why? <laughs> because first of all, I didn't need that pressure. Pressure from what? <laughs> people watching. Oh. People watching. Secondly, I didn't need people like, is she ever going to finish this? So. I think there was one hole where you just picked up your ball and said, I'm not doing it. It's too long. That's because it was like, it was like from here to it's the moon. It's so long. I'm not doing this. I hit the ball twice. I'm not doing it anymore. That's it. I it quit. was like from here to Kentucky. I'm taking, I'm taking the ball. It was 300 <laughs> yards. 
<laughs> I've taken the ball and driving the cart. Okay, honey. But the rest I did. You did. Yeah. Yes, that was the only one where you picked up and said, nope, too far. Yeah. Yeah. And my shoulder hurts today. I think probably from like hitting the ground so very hard with my club so many times. She did do that. You could hear, like she replaced so many divots. So many divots. Yeah. I felt yeah. like saying a sorry to the owners. <laughs> I replaced them. Even though the divots I was replacing were actually blown to smithereens, I grabbed what I could and put it back. And then she'd drive the golf cart right up to where you're supposed to tee off. Right up on the hill. Because that was the funnest part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We're going to get kicked out. I can see it already. Okay. So this is the part where I introduce your story, right? This is the part where I introduce you. Yep. Okay, so are we going to do this? Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready to do my essential part of this podcast? The essential part? <laughs> yes. My God. This was so boring. I, I put it off to the last hour. That's how easy it was. I'm like, oh, oh we got to record a podcast. Guess I'm going to go do that. You got a dad joke? I do have a dad uh, joke. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Three hours ago, you were like, I don't have one. How well, do you do this? three hours ago. Running and I never crying. said, how do you do this? Oh, I'm so stressed out. <laughs> I, not, not even. Not even a little bit. It is. I'm giving you a little bit of behind the scenes that better survive. <laughs> the crying. Okay, listen. Listen. Yes, Linda. Do you, have, do you have your story? I do. Do you have a drink? No. You I don't do, drink. Too. I see it in front of you. Oh, I have a pop. Well, that's a drink. I suppose. Okay, so you have your drink. I have my drink. Tell your story, Morning Glory. That's oh, not reversed. That's not reversed. It's my version. Well, you can't do your version. You're supposed to do the reverse version. <laughs> well, I like mine. And I'm going to say, tell your story, Morning Glory. <laughs> right there with the, with the way you change the podcast email. Right there. <laughs> Anyways, so the person I have chosen to do this story about is Adrian Carton DeWyatt. DeWyatt. DeWart. Spell it. W-I-A-R-T. Wyart? Sure. Okay. Badass. Badass. Okay, I've never heard. Is of this course you've never heard of this. Adrian, so it's a boy? Do you want me to tell the story or are you just going to guess? I'm trying just to make my mind in the right in set. 1880 he okay. was born to a wealthy affluential uh, family in brussels okay he spent most of his uh, younger years in cairo and then he went to get his education in england where he was going through to be a lawyer Ooh, sounds exciting he very was, smart like, he's in egypt yes he was a uh, travel all over family had money then nice. he went on to be there but adrian had other ideas and that was becoming a soldier. Oh, well, that doesn't seem like a good idea when he had the world in his the palm of his hand. When the Second Boer War of 1899 broke out, he knew he wanted to fight. You did an army story because you knew I wouldn't. <laughs> I also did one because I knew that you've never done one. So I wasn't going to accidentally do a story that you've already done. And then you can't go, you never listen to any of my stories. <laughs> See? Covered all my bases. Yes. <laughs> Even though he was not a Belgian national or had no real stakes in whoever won, won against the war, he wanted to fight. Okay, so is he a, a 
badass hero or is he a serial killer just hoping to kill some people <laughs> <laughs> well you know that that's a very fine line right people yeah. Say, right? <laughs> yeah um so anyways uh he went to britain uh britain was fighting south africa in the boer war and he really wanted to fight so adrian was uh he went set up a fake name fake age fake nationality Why? so he could sign up he had to sign up for all this he was too young oh, at the time of the war oh okay so he had to go do all this um and he was doing all this behind his father's back oh because so obviously his father his didn't father want to would have been like nope like not happening right so he uh he actually got into the britain army this war was where he knew he was born to fight he didn't even care what side he was on as i stated before so if Britain didn't take him, he was just going to go to South Africa. Wow. <laughs> yep. Didn't care. Just That's wanted just to fight. That's just a little bit messed up. Yeah, a little bit. Well, when you know what you want to do, this is what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, he wanted to kill people. <laughs> and this is where the story of the unkillable soldier begins. Okay. Unkillable. Unkillable. They couldn't kill him. So like Adrian goes to fight for British. And before uh, the war is even... Before the war is even over, he would take a bullet to the groin Ow. and to the abdomen. And this did not stop or slow him down for his taste of well, war. I hope it slowed him down like at that time. He had a bullet in his crotch. <laughs> uh, later, well, it's said that he went back to the same place so many times to recover from shots and stuff that they kept uh, a special room there with his own pajamas oh and everything in God. it. <laughs> I'm only giving you the, the nine <laughs> major injuries, but there was a whole bunch of oh other ones. Oh my God. So, um, with the Boer War over, he knew that combat was in his life, was his life ambition. In 1902, he sought out to go, sought out and got a position with the British Indian fighting with the Irish guards. And while fighting with them, he broke some ribs and was sent to recover once again. While he was recovering at this time, he almost lost his position. Like in the, in the army? Yeah. Because he was there for too long? No. Because um, he almost shot a man that was annoying him. Oh, my God. See? Serial killer. <laughs> Not a serial killer. The man was a local community man. And Adrian, at first, just threw stones at him and told him to go away. <laughs> That's fun. Right? I would like to do that to anybody who's annoying <laughs> Right? <me. laughs> yeah. But the man simply moved out of the way and moved out of the distance of the stones. Yeah. So it might have stopped right there, but no, the the laborer then turned around and made fun of Adrian again. <laughs> well, this guy was kind of asking <laughs> so for it. So Adrian got his gun and peppered the man. Oh my god! Shot him right in the butt. Oh, oh no! <laughs> but that's a little bit funny. <laughs> so the laborer would then uh, go on and press charges. He lived mm -hmm. would press charges and stuff, and Adrian would have to go to court. And he was punished with a heavy, heavy fine. But he was rich, so he didn't care. But he was allowed to. Well, I don't know. See, that's the thing. It never says if he was still, if his dad had anything to do with him. Or like, it doesn't get into his family after that. Oh, okay. However, in 1914, Britain entered into World War I. And Adrian was very excited. <laughs> he just like, yep. yeah, war! Yep. Very soon after the war started, he had one of his... Le or he had his left eye shot out blasted out oh no yeah and you would think that he'd be worried about you know am i gonna have my sight yeah um you know am i gonna whatever no his 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 one worry the whole way there and going back was am i gonna be able to fight again am i gonna be able to go back into the war again blah 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 
Oh my god. And, well, pirates do. They just throw in an eye patch. Yeah, so he was allowed to keep fighting. So in 1915, Adrian was uh, commanding troops on the Western Front. The enemy was fighting with both guns and gas. So staying in the trenches uh, was very important. In most war movies, you would see soldiers rolling and trying to dodge bullets. Yeah. But not Adrian. He found that the gas they were using yeah. didn't affect him. Had no effect on him what whatsoever. What is with this guy? I don't know. But the gas did not affect there him at all. There must be like some kind of medical thing with him. So he would just run right through the battlefield. That's crazy. Do you, there are some people that can't feel pain, right? So I wonder if he Well, he's... it gets maybe into this a little bit more. Um, so yeah, he was just running. At one point, his second in command scolded him about getting out of the way and ducking into the trenches. Yeah, like, don't die. Right. <laughs> yeah. Adrian was a fate, fatist, though. He believed that if it was your time, it was your time. And just as he finished telling um, the second in charge that that's how what he believed in, yeah. there was a grenade thrown at both of them. Oh, my God. The second in command jumped out of the way. Yeah. Adrian just stood there standing his ground. It went off, and it threw him back 30 feet. That's when, a fair distance. Right. And when he got up beside him, they found the only part that was left of the second in command, which Come was the on. hand. Seriously. So the second in command Why? was blown to pieces. That doesn't even make sense. Right? This that, is what I'm saying. They don't know. Like That's that's nuts. Right? Um, this guy signed a deal with the devil. Or something, right? <laughs> Still going on in 1915, during a, a, a battle, Adrian would severely damage his head. Adrian himself described the... Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Back, back up. It would seriously dis um, damage his hand. Oh, okay, yeah. Andrian himself described the site as ghastly. He had two fingers that were just dangling Ew, there, and his wow. palm and the most of his, uh, the most of his wrist and stuff was all just kind of hanging there. But oh. what made it even worse was his watch that he was wearing yeah. was fused into the bone and. Oh my god, that's like something that you would see. So, like, when they're trying to really gross you out in a movie, they yeah. show all, that's something that they would show. Well, it gets a little more grosser. So he asked the doctors to remove his fingers, and they said, no, we think we can save him. So he reached over and pulled his own fingers Come off. Come on. Yeah. He said, this is, so he wrote a book later on. So his, these are, when I say he said, these are his own words. I need to read this book. He said he felt no pain doing it. Okay, so either A, he was in total shock, so he didn't feel it, or B, like I said, maybe he didn't feel pain. Yeah, I don't know. Because there are people. And in the end, it didn't save any, anything anyways. His whole hand had to be amputated. Damn. He said having his hand amputated was no worse than having a tooth pulled. So now this guy is down an eye and a hand. And he's had major head damage. He's been shot in the abdomen and in the groin. Yeah. I'm just talking about missing body parts right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you think this kept him from the war, you were wrong. Absolutely wrong. Adrian would also receive a head injury during World War I and was sent back to England to recover. And as a, as a more, uh, war machine, he would get bored. I really hope that he ended up marrying one of the nurses that took care of him. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, maybe not for her sake. Because this guy sounds like he's kind of an animal. <laughs> oh, in 1916, um, so he got sent back to the war. But before the war, in, in the, I've skipped over a section here because it wasn't when I was going through it. I didn't write it. I was writing it from different sources. Yeah. 
so chronologically 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 thank you it wasn't going right it was like oh he did this and all of a sudden about 1916 and then jumped back to 1915 and then it went so yeah anyways he did all that stuff in 1915. um in 1916 um which was the peak of some of the worst uh wars uh worst battles that year right in world war one took place in 1916. however it was the best year for adrian he was promoted uh to badge brigadier uh and was the youngest to be ever promoted to that thing wow. so he actually gave him his own uh his own stuff and um to yeah lead and stuff that's how much they thought of him and the men just loved him the men well yeah because was... he's an animal like uh, i said like... oh you haven't even heard animal yet just keep oh working. my god so so as I was also saying, so he, he received another head injury during World War One and was sent back to uh, to recover, back to England to recover. While visiting um, a general, oh, he got bored. He was getting bored now because the war's going on. He can't go yet. They're still making him recovering, whatever. And he's so, not going to start dominoes. So, oh. well, yeah, he's not playing dominoes <laughs> or, or bridge or like that. He did go to, a, uh, to visit a gentleman's club. Um, it was named White's and it was in England. Uh, while he was there, he was approached by a fellow member that asked if he would do a duel for him. Like like the old school gun duel. But he didn't want to do it himself. He was going to hire somebody else. He was going to get someone else to do it. Yeah. But that doesn't seem fair. Well, I guess not. Um, so he thought that there was another man in that club that was staring at a woman that he liked too much and that needed to be dealt with. So Adrian said... So, yeah, obviously you need to shoot him. So Adrian said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he went to talk to the man and the man thought that he was joking like this is absurd and he goes no this this is what's going to happen we're going to do this like one. it or not well, yeah one way or another we're going to you know so he goes you can choose whatever weapon you want i don't even care if it's guns whatever weapons you want yeah and the guy started to you know see that this is getting more and more serious like no we're gonna all get in trouble from the police and blah 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 yeah and adrian's like no no because i know where there's a secluded place we'll go out to the secluded place and whoever wins can just dump kerosene and gas on the body and burn oh it. Oh my God. Right? So after hearing this and how to get rid of the body and everything, the man quickly signed an affidavit saying he would never stare at that woman again <laughs> just to leave him alone. No. <laughs> Without a shot being fired yet, yeah, the guy's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> so nope, get this guy away from me. That's insane. <laughs> well, you know, it's back in those days, right? Still, even back then, even the guy that signing the affidavit knew it was insane. <laughs> it was. Yeah, but he wasn't taking any chances, right? Yeah. 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 Nope, that's not happening. Yeah. Nope. No, I'm not being burnt with kerosene. <laughs> so, so, yeah. On top of that, Adrian knew that he had a bad temper. Okay, so he knew that, I mean, if we haven't discovered that he has yeah. a bad temper, you know, he shot a well, guy. Well, at least he, like, knowing is half the right. battle, right? <laughs> so, and he was scared to carry a revolver because he thought he might shoot his own men if they <laughs> pissed him off. Oh, my God. So, to prevent this, he only fought with a walking stick. Like, only fought when? Not in the war. Yeah, in the war. He went to war with a walking stick? So, yeah. No, he led his men into battle fighting with only a stick and this would you know to say the least i don't know, slow some men down well okay but i have a question <laughs> okay he did he hit his men with the walking stick i don't know <laughs> oh, no. didn't say in there but he went in there and he fought so well that um he was awarded the highest medal in britain's army the victoria cross that's insane i can't yep. i can't believe that that's what he used to go into battle was a walking stick 
Yeah. Like, he's got to be the only, he has to be the only one. Yeah. Well, and he, he did all this, but he did not get out with an injury. Well, no, we've already heard of a whole bunch. Yeah. Well, well, no, I'm saying, but after that, this last battle that he went in with the walking stick yeah. like that, he was shot in the head. After the doctor looked at Adrian's head, he ordered a bottle of champagne. The doctor sat down with Adrian and explained that somehow a machine gun bullet went through his head and touched nothing. So there was a hole in the front of his skull, a hole in the back of his going, and didn't touch his brain, did How? no damage. Did he have air at the top of his brain? I don't know, but it went through and it did anything. As a matter of fact, the only after effect that he would get was when he got a haircut, it would be ticklish in that spot. Oh my God. My grandfather was shot in the head in, in the war, in the face. He he ended up being blind in one eye and colorblind in the other, and I think deaf in one ear. But yeah, he was shot and he lived, obviously. I'm here. Yeah. But there was a, <laughs> well, he had parts of his, uh, when they went through, um, when they shot his eye out um, later on when I was reading other stuff, it says that they took a chunk of his ear yeah. too with the eye, but it didn't say. So there was that. So yeah, so all we got was a tickle after that. That's nuts. In 1918, World War I had come to an end, but Adrian had long known he was a combat soldier and went to find another war. He found it in Poland. So he's just going around the world trying to find wars to fight in. Yeah. And he doesn't care whose side he's on still. still uh, he no, no, he's sticking with Britain. He's been okay. staying with Britain. So when he gets to Poland, uh, the British were helping Poland against the Soviets. So I guess there was some kind of Soviet-Poland war going on. And Adrian got on this train to uh, take off to the to the fight and stuff. And all of a sudden, a bunch of uh, Soviet soldiers hopped on this train and took over this train. Okay. But Adrian said, nope. He you hit somebody. Just say, you can't just say nope. Yep. He said, nope. <laughs> he beat the crap out of one of them with his cane, took the revolver, and killed all of the soldiers and took the train back. By himself? By himself. What the hell? Yeah. Why is there no movie about this guy? <laughs> I don't understand. So, yeah, he took over the train um, and then, uh, yeah, got the train back and uh, single-handedly took them all out. Goodbye. Because you know why there's no movie about him? Because people would be like, that's not believable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We only believe Rambo. <laughs> In 1939, World War II broke out and there was no way he was missing that. He must at, be getting on in years by at now. At this time, he had 30 years of war experience, and the government knew they needed him as well. Winston Churchill. Oh, wow. Himself asked Adrian to help out. Friends in high places. Right. So Adrian, of course, said yes. So while he was on the plane to Yugoslavia, his plane crashed, and he was found by Italian soldiers. He was now a prisoner of war, so a POW. Yeah. Even though he was 60 years old, he was still tough as nails and tried to escape five separate times. He, yeah. he never made it out, but he made such a huge problem for his captors that they just released him in 1943. <laughs> That's actually amazing. So like, we're tired of chasing this guy down. We have to run. It's tiring. Just right. let him go. So. After leaving, living a fearless and war-torn life, Adrian's last major injury came from slipping on a mat. <laughs> and that's how he died? No. Oh. No. It broke his back, but again, he wouldn't let that settle down. He got up and toughed it out and made a full recovery and would go on to live another 10 years. 
and he would pass away peacefully at the age of 83. That's nuts. It's like he lived his entire life. In a war. In a war, but also with a death wish. Like he was going out there going, maybe this will kill me. <laughs> it just never did. Yeah, I don't. Well, like he said, he believes in fate and he just believed that he was put on this planet to help out wars and lead men and uh, that he was going to go through all this. Well, I guess he kind of knew what he was talking about when he was talking to dear old dad. Yeah, and they haven't made a movie about him, but this is about to give the ending away. Oh, why? They did write a song about him by Sabaton. Oh, so Quinn told you about this? Yeah, so Quinn said, hey, if, if, when you do your reverse one, this might be a good one for you to do. So I looked at it, and I'm like, awesome, it's war. Yeah. So yeah, there is actually a song out by Sabaton um, called The Unkillable Soldier. But when you start looking it up and start Googling and reading about it, there's tons of, like, I could have done this whole podcast for an hour on this guy. Really? Like, just the, the stuff that he did and the adventures he gets onto, and it just goes on and on and on. And yeah, why there isn't a movie made about him, I have no idea because seriously, it would be Rambo 3. Like, where he goes in and takes on all the Russians by himself and stuff. Like, That's it's amazing. Nuts. I know Quinn sent me, I wonder if it's the same guy, but Quinn sent me somebody to do some research on. And I went, I saw Army and my eyes kind of glazed over. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I'll do that someday. Right. <laughs> Well, that's why like, when I was talking to Quinn about it and he goes, oh, you should do this one and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Because again, you don't do army ones very often. Yeah. I don't think you've ever done an army no. one. No, maybe one day I'll be brave enough. I just know that I'm going to like royally mess it up. I mess up. I do <laughs> already with my stories. And I kind of feel like I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, but I feel completely out of my league when it comes to anything army. Well, that's why I didn't have this one written at first because I was reading about it and then I went and found some YouTube channels and then I listened to the song and oh, I just yeah. really got myself involved with it yeah and then took what i wanted and broke it down because i know we've got a you know time limit yeah. and blah 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 and yeah i knew you were going to interrupt me a thousand times so you know yeah but it was good interruption <laughs> i did good <laughs> so anyways that is my story well, so good now job, it's good uh, job. now that it's was, your turn that was pretty amazing now it's your turn okay okay so it's my turn to talk about johnny no pressure. No I mean, pressure. I just killed your half, so you better kill well, this one. The one thing that I'm worried about right now, to be completely honest, is I got about halfway through writing this one, and I thought, this is really starting to sound familiar. Uh-oh. Oh, that will kill it. I will win the reverse one. <laughs> Go on. Quick, quick, quick. Hurry, hurry. I'm going to tell it anyways. Hurry, hurry. Okay. In 2001. I know it. Tell me. <laughs> It was one that happened in 2001. 60-year-old <laughs> Johnny was drag racing cars at a drag strip in Tucson, Arizona. Do you think you know it? I don't know. Nope, you don't. Not yet. <laughs> he was starting to worry that about his choice of entertainment. He was starting to think that maybe his hobby was a little bit too dangerous. Drag racing, right? So on the way home, he spotted some model airplane enthusiasts, and he asked if he could join them. And they let him join. So he went out and he got himself this model plane. It was, it had a five foot wingspan. It weighed six and a half pounds and it could go like pretty fast, like 40 kilometers an hour. So he brought it to the park and he was having a great time when he lost it in the sun. As it, as it, while he was looking at it, he lost it in the sun. He couldn't see it anymore. It was too bright, even though it had a five foot wingspan. When Johnny finally spotted it, it was too late, and it ended up hitting him square in the chest at 40 miles per hour. Miles per hour, not kilometers. 
And he ended up getting internal injuries and dying. So that is my very short part one. But I thought instead of statistics for this one, I would. Did you did you tell that one before? By the way, I don't think I did. I think I've read that one before, but I don't remember telling it. Okay, I've got other stories along the same lines with model airplanes. Where's the statistics? Of, Where's the facts searching? I didn't do that. Oh, people! I am so sorry. This is my version. <laughs> I'm allowed to take my own liberties. So, so sad. <laughs> okay. This was not a one of. I have a couple other examples of death by model aircraft. Yeah. There's probably a whole page of statistics. Probably, but I didn't get into it. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm going to call these other guys Johnny too, even though I don't think they're necessarily, maybe the one guy is Darwin Awards, but not this guy. So in July of 1982, 40-year-old uh, Johnny liked to fly model airplanes in Virginia. So that's what he was doing on this morning. He finished up flying for the day, and he was standing around talking to some of his fellow model plane flying buddies, but somebody else that was flying in the area lost control of their plane. It careened wildly and right into Johnny's chest at high speed. The impact of the propeller led to a severe injury to Johnny's liver, which killed him. <laughs> Same thing, different guy, somebody else flying the plane. Yeah, so it doesn't classify as a Darwin. Not that one. That was just another example of somebody dying in the same way. Oh. oh one more example. Sure. Keep going on. Keep <laughs> keep showing everybody how, how important I am to this podcast. Um, in September of 2013... Johnny went to Calvert Vaux Park in Queens, New York. But this Johnny wanted to fly helicopters, not airplanes. Yes. He attempted some kind of high-speed, high-altitude trick with his chopper, but it didn't quite work. He lost control of the model, and it rapidly descended and headed right for him. It hit Johnny at a high speed, its heavy spinning rotor smashing into his head. The helicopter actually sliced a piece of his head off. And he was pronounced dead at the scene. So maybe model aircraft isn't a nice, relaxing, and safe hobby that people thought that it is. Do you know that there is a, I guess it's a theory because nobody's actually proved it, or maybe it's just a, an old story or tale or whatever. But they say if you went to the top of the CN Tower yep. and dropped a penny and you could keep it straight on its edge, it would slice a person in half from I the velocity. I have heard that, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it would ever really happen. I wonder how many people have thrown pennies off of the CN Tower seeing if it would happen. That's another good one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe not so safe standing underneath because you can. <laughs> you can stand underneath and look straight up at everybody above you. Yeah, well, you can go out on that thing now, the yeah. ledge too, where they tie you off, right? So you can actually lean right over. So it's yeah. not even like they can go, wow, there's windows. People can't get out there because now you can actually get out well, there. Well, you could always go out onto the little balcony, I thought, couldn't you? Uh, I don't remember. I've only been up a couple times. Yeah. And I always just went over the floor and jumped on it. And people yeah. were like, stop! <laughs> that, that's the best part. I know. <laughs> okay. On to my second Darwin story. Is it going to be a real Darwin? This is a real Darwin. <laughs> this is actually a good one. I, I like this one. I'm proud of myself. If everybody has stopped listening by now, I'm sorry. Please come back. <laughs> okay. So in my Darwins, I'm telling their real names. I feel so sad for the families. <laughs> It was old. The families are no longer. Okay. Carry on. They removed themselves from the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Carry on. Okay. 
Um, they their names are Homer and Langley Collier. Ah, Homer. <laughs> yeah. They were a pair of millionaires who lived in Manhattan in the 1940s. They were brothers. Homer started losing his sight after having a stroke, and Langley took over his care. He actually went blind completely at some point. Um, Langley believed that the key to restoring Homer's sight was vitamin C. So he fed his older brother 100 oranges a week to Yummy. try to restore his vision. And his brother didn't say stop? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, there is definitely some mental issues in this story. I'm not sure if they were there the whole time or if this is something that developed later. He was eating 100 oranges a week. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Langley believed that this would work so much that he started saving newspapers for his brother to catch up on current events once he got his sight back. This was the beginning of a very large hoarding problem. There were stacks of stuff from floor to ceiling. They were also worried that people were going to come and steal their stuff. So they started setting booby traps all over the house. On March 21st, 1947, an anonymous man called the police to complain about the smell of decomposition coming from the house on Fifth Avenue. Because locals had often called the police about the strange goings-on at the same house, the precinct didn't hesitate to send an officer. However, when they got there, the policeman couldn't even find a way inside. The windows were reinforced with iron bars, the telephone and doorbell were missing, and the entryway was filled with a pile of junk, newspapers, boxes, and chairs. So at this point, they they had money, and when they really needed money, like when the bank came to take the mortgage, the house away from them because they hadn't paid their mortgage, they just pulled out a wad of cash and paid for it. But they didn't pay for things like hydro and water. <laughs> they didn't have any utilities at this apartment. Everything had been closed off because they didn't pay their bills. So, I guess uh, what was Langley? You know, you're not telling the story anymore, right? You're just doing Darwin's. This is part of the Darwin. <laughs> I guess Langley set up a car, an old car. He he fixed it up so that it ran hydro off of the car to the house. Okay. Nice. Yeah, and he went to the local park to get water out of a pump, and that's how they lived. How okay. old were they? That he's carrying <laughs> buckets of water. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how they were. Okay. Anyways, it was impossible to get through the front door and that the six men who had now arrived at the scene couldn't even make their way through it. Finally, as the men began tossing junk out onto the street below, a patrolman broke through a window on the second floor. Then, after fighting through more of the same junk piled all the way to the ceiling, they found the body of Homer Collier. He'd been dead of starvation and heart disease, for approximately 10 hours, but it had taken the police five hours of di digging through the junk to find his body. Police, newspapers, and locals all suspected that Homer's brother Langley was both the anonymous tipster and the killer, and the brothers had been known to be living together for more than a decade, but now nobody could find Langley. So, <laughs> <laughs> I already know what happened. Rumors began to spread that Langley had boarded a bus to Atlantic City, New Jersey, sending the police on a manhunt into that state and eight other states because they think that Langley is the one that killed his brother, right? And then took off. They turned up nothing. Meanwhile, back at the house, authorities turned, uh, keep 
getting through all of this junk. Crowds as large as 2,000 people gathered on the street to watch workmen cart everything from newspapers to a piano to an x-ray machine, and then even more newspapers out of the house. In the end, they removed at least 120 tons of, <laughs> of garbage, more than the weight of a blue whale. After nearly three weeks of this cleanup on April 9th, laying inside a two-foot-wide tunnel made of drawers and bed springs, a workman found the body of, Lang of Langley Collier. So it was actually, it, he was actually inside the house rotting, and they figured that he had died two weeks before Homer, but because Homer was blind and he couldn't get out of the house, he ended up dying of starvation. Um this is the best part. This is what makes it even more of a Dar Darwin. Although authorities believe that while Langley was bringing food to Homer via one of the tunnels through the massive pile of trash within the house, he must have tripped one of his own booby traps, causing a fatal cave-in. <laughs> yeah. And the site of the house is now a small park named after the brothers. And after that, many New York children were told by their parents to clean up their room or else you'll end up like the Collier brothers. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah i thought it was pretty good that is my my two darwin awards that's it yeah that's, oh well i did i have some oh um, that's good let's go to call to action you're listen. ruining my darwins why why am i listening why am i why are you listening i don't know why you're listening. how am i ruining okay i didn't do statistics again i did sort of Currently, researchers believe compulsive hoarding, because I wanted to get into the hoarding thing for statistics, affects one in every 50 people, but it may impact as many as one in every 20 people. So if you know between 20 and 50 people, probably one of them is a hoarder. I'm a hoarder. You're not a hoarder. I have Batman stuff everywhere. Yeah, but you can still walk into this room. Mm, you have to go around <laughs> the rack, not kick a Batman over. <laughs> It only because you stopped me. Yeah, I'm not a hoarder enabler. No, <laughs> not at all. I'd have so much more Batman stuff. Yeah, so now it's call to action. It is. So please listen, subscribe, tell your friends. Play it for your children to punish them. Yeah. Tell your kids about the Lang. What did I call them? Collier brothers. brothers? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, don't worry, guys. We'll bring it back to normal next time. Next time. Anyways, yes. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at deadersurvivepodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram. Pictures will be up. And you can also check out our Facebook page. We're getting a little more traction on that. Yep. So that is good, good, good. Everything is going swimmingly. There you go. And now it's time for my dad oh, joke. Oh, here we go. Dad joke. Oh, my God. Don't ruin this, too. <laughs> I tell dad jokes. <laughs> Sometimes he laughs. That's the dad joke. <laughs> I just wanted to see your face. Okay. <laughs> I have one more. I have one more. You don't even have one first one. <laughs> that was a good one. No. It was really, it was really good. No. <laughs> okay. What do you call 50 penguins in the Arctic? Uh, wrong place. Lost. Yeah. See? <laughs> You're not supposed to guess it. Well, what would... <laughs> <laughs> don't make them simple all right that's it that's all bye is that how you do it <laughs> bye <Yeah>. bye <laughs> goodbye so long okay. first i have to say thank you everybody for listening please join us again bye for now bye <laughs>